After 32 months, Restaurant Leadership Conference is returning to Arizona this December 6th through 9th. RLC has always been the home for senior restaurant execs to collaborate and discuss current challenges and solutions. Be a part of this exclusive group and register today at restaurantleadership.com. Just how bad is the labor shortage? Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I have a debate with Editor-at-Large Peter Romeo on the true potential cost of the labor shortage. Peter recently wrote that the shortage will ultimately prove to be a bigger problem than the pandemic itself, arguing that its costs and operators' unwillingness to deal with the problems causing it will ultimately be a lot of their undoing. I, of course, disagree. In fact, I argue that the labor shortage will ultimately prove beneficial to the industry as a whole. Who's right? We'll find out, but please have a listen to our discussion in the meantime. Okay, I am here with Peter Romeo. Peter, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Jonathan. Always great to be with you. So um, now, last week, you wrote a piece on labor in which you basically said, and if I sum up, that you felt the labor crisis that restaurants are feeling right now will ultimately prove to be worse than the pandemic on the industry. Peter, the last time I checked, uh, labor issues have not forced the closure of 10% of uh, restaurants and uh, put a number of people out of work. What's uh, Defend yourself. Well, I think that uh, what's missing from your erroneous statement is yet. Because I do think that what we're seeing on the labor front is uh, more frightening and poses more of a risk to the industry than 2020 did. Uh, The pandemic was a heart attack. The labor situation is a degenerative disease. It's arthrosclerosis that's slowly sapping the industry of its strength. And we are seeing real dramatic effects on sales already. I mean, BJ's reported that they lost 25,000 sales hours. That's a big chunk of change. 20% of their restaurants had to shrink their menus again, not because of sales issues, but because of insufficient labor. The pandemic, no doubt about it, was a singular awful event, but it's quickly moving into the rearview mirror. You know, it was a a uh, short-term devastating thing, but the labor situation is a long-term, slow, boil-the-frog type trend that I think is going to really signal um, either a change or a real detraction from the industry's, uh, from the love of the industry. Um, you know, just if you step back and look at it, for the first time possibly in the industry's history, it's having a harder time finding employees than it is finding guests. And without the one, they're not going to get the other. So um, so I stick with my assertion that this is really going to be, or this should be a four-alarm crisis for the industry that's brewing slowly. But boy, are we, we're already feeling it terribly, and we're just going to feel it all the more going forward. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points, Peter. But the fact of the matter is right now, in the midst of this labor shortage, when we have had so much negative attention aimed at at restaurants for, for various reasons, overworking conditions and things of that nature, and 
Um, we see, uh, you know, pay increases and, and, and things like that. The fact is that the industry sales are really healthy at the moment. You know, they are 10% over what they were during the same period in 2019. And now granted, a lot of that is through price increases. But the fact is that if we go back to last year and look at the where, where the industry was at and the, in, you know, we had uh, mass closures, you had a, a large number of restaurants ended up filing for bankruptcy and um, you had, you know, many, many, many independents closing up shop. We've had a lot of, we had stories of, of venerable institutions that ended up shutting down. And the fact is that, you know, the industry sales have recovered. And the problem that we see at the moment is we had this dramatic recovery in, in the industry from losing almost 60% of its sales at one point to now being 10% above where it was. When you have that dramatic of a shift in demand, you're going to have automatically a more, a strong demand for for everything from paper cups to to human beings. And when we have that kind of dramatic shift, it 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 takes a while, I think, for the supply chain to sort of match that level of demand. That's part of what we're seeing here. Um, now, obviously, in the supply chain issues with equipment and food and things like that, there are other things that work beyond that. But in the labor front, yeah, I, well, I think just a lot of people weren't ready to go back to, to work from COVID. And I think it takes a while to work that through. Yeah, I know what we're seeing. I, I, I certainly there was a dislocation aspect in that the world changed, and when the world changes, people aren't eager to just jump back into something or or just make a big change. But you look at all the research, and there's truly been an outpouring of research on the attitudes and the perceptions of the industry's workforce, both traditional and those sort of on the edges, uh, uh, the sort of non-traditional folks, uh, the senior citizens and folks like that. And across the board, there's this sense of, gosh, I'd rather get root canal than work in a restaurant. And, you know, I, I actually break the, pro- the problem down into two situations. There's, a, la- there's a, a wages issue where the industry let itself be outmoded by the pay scales emerging for new industries, things like the gig economy, and then there's the working conditions. And, you know, people, our, our industry tends to look at those two things as the same thing. And I'm not so sure they are. The, the wage situation is working its way out. And that's having an effect for sure. The job situation, the working conditions, really the lack of respect. And that's what all the, um, uh, what all the, uh, the studies really get back to. That and a sense of the stress is just so tremendous. Those things are really uh, red lights for so many people that I think that, yes, the demand is no doubt there, but I'm not so sure employees want to go back to their jobs. They have other opportunities that pay as well, that are less stressful. And why do it? Why do this uh, more difficult and uh, uh, more stressful work for the same amount of money when you can have a more regular lifestyle doing something else. So so I think there is something there that the industry has to address that is as fundamental as serving food. They've got to change the situation for employees or find a way not to use employees, which 
really would take us light years from where we are right now. But no, I don't dispute that there's not a lack of demand and that that complicated it. Um, and interestingly, with a supply chain, the supply chain is just another name for a labor shortage. It's just someone else's labor shortage, not the restaurateurs. But I, I think that we are going to continue to have a lot of problems getting people to just uh, handle that demand. So I guess my question, though, is what changed about I mean, what 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 dramatically changed about like cons- uh, workers views of restaurant working conditions that's dramatically different i i worked at i worked at mcdonald's when i was when i was young for for a couple of years and it was hard work it was definitely hard work and there's a you know reason why i ultimately left it because it was it was difficult work it was it was you know the the hours were were tough and you know the pay was not great uh, commensurate for the amount of work that it was put in so that's not like that's anything different the other issue is is that, um, you know, so I, I guess my point, though, on that is I just don't see where that is dramatically different from what it was like, you know, just a couple of years ago. I mean, now, granted, there are some other issues, I think, that restaurant that 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 restaurant workers have to face when they go into a, a restaurant. You know, they have to deal with angry customers over COVID issues, which, of course, is definitely a factor. And I think the the process of operating a restaurant right now is a lot more complicated, certainly than when I was flipping burgers back in the day. But still, at the end of the day, this has always been a a a low skill job that you can come in off the street and uh, it's going to be hard work. It's never that is never that is not any different now, I don't think. I mean, outside of a few issues, that's not any real different than it was before. And the issue here is the the economy is still several million jobs overall, short of where it was before the pandemic. It has not fully recovered the number of jobs that were available uh, at some point. So the question is, where are these? At some, where are these workers going to go? How much? How are they going to earn a living at some point? They're going to have to go back to work if they have left the workforce and they're not making any money. And, you know, to me, I think at some point they're probably going to have to return to the restaurant that will over time ease the labor shortage because simply people are just going to feel more comfortable going to work and they're going to have to choose something. Now, granted, again, getting to your point originally, which is that restaurants are always sort of the last, for lack of a better term, sometimes it's the employer of last resort. And I guess that gets into my my broader point which is that the industry needs to get to a point where it is not the employer of last resort. And to me, I think what has happened and what is happening now and what is what is going on is that the industry is forced to confront the issues that you're speaking about. It is forced to confront some of its low wages. It's forced to confront some of the complications involved in running a restaurant. It is forced to deal with some of the real borderline ridiculous scheduling situations that many of these people have to go uh, have to go through, um, you know, because, uh, you know, not necessarily knowing your schedule very far in advance is a pain. Uh, I would drive me absolutely insane. And I still don't really difficult to continue to justify doing that on a mass scale. But, you know, it's the, the industry is sort of forcing it is being forced to sort of deal with a lot of these issues. It is dramatically raising pay. You can get now if you're you're working, you know, by the middle of next summer, if you're working at a Starbucks, you're going to make an average of $17 an hour, which is 
you know, I mean, not not bad at all. Certainly for this again, a, 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 this sort of off the street coming in and and working um, in this position type job and type career, you know. And if you are a, you know, honestly, if there's, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday for a story that's coming in restaurant business where, you know, there's a restaurant in San Francisco where their service servers average seventy dollars an hour, Peter, which is ridiculous. Anyway, I'm submitted my application for what it's worth. So, I mean, you can make a really, really good living in this industry. I mean, part of the problem is that the industry doesn't do a really good job of advertising its career options. But like, if, if we can get to a point, I guess, if, if, if all of this results in an industry that has dramatically lower turnover, that is paying its employees higher, and yes, charging consumers higher rates for, for, for the food that it provides to me is a better longer term industry. This industry has had labor challenges before. It has always been very heavily reliant on labor, more so, much, much more so than than many other industries, certainly convenience stores and grocery stores with whom they compete for sort of share of stomach for lack of a decent term. And, you know, so the industry has needed to get to a point where it's more efficient where it is not just plowing through workers constantly. It's keeping employees over the longer term. It's using more technology to improve efficiency. It's taking care of things in the back of the house using artificial intelligence, which is what Starbucks is working on to do things such as order food and things like that. So so the employees don't get burned out so fast. The more the industry can get to that point, the better. And I think this is better long-term for the industry um, than I think many people realize. I, and I think that what you're putting forward is what I like to think of as the coal miner theory. That theory is, well, if you pay people enough, they'll do just about anything. And that is what the coal mines thought in Western Pennsylvania, where my in-laws are from. And those places now cannot find young people who want to work in the mines, even though you can make a fortune. And the reason is the business conditions. Yeah, people have to make a living. And yeah, the restaurant industry was that portal. It was the first job for so many people. I mean, the industry's point of pride is it probably trained more people for a working life than any school has because of the numbers. But now that sort of easy entry isn't necessary. They can get that easy entry from any kinds of fields. In fact, they could go and become an Uber driver and be their own boss. They don't even have to deal with a boss. So that uh, that notion of, well, where else am I going to work? Where How am I going to get a foothold on the, the, the career ladder or get into the workforce? Restaurants are my, my best and only shot in so many areas. I don't think it's any longer the case. The other thing is that I think the industry really mishandled the pandemic on the labor front. I mean, think of how many times we heard from employees that were trying to figure out what was going on with their employer. I remember getting a call from a mother whose son didn't know whether to go into for work that day or not for a sizable casual dining chain. And those kinds of things, they kind of sour you on the business. So, you know, I, I think wages are definitely the key dynamic but there are so many other things. And I'm not sure the industry, uh, from a, a, a wide-scale perspective, is really addressing that. Some of the big guys are, that's for sure, and they've got the deep pockets. 
but a lot of the small guys, they just can't afford to do it or they don't even know how to do it. So when you say, you know, industry sales are way up, no doubt about it. Not everyone is sharing in those sales. Not everyone is sharing in this transformation of the restaurant industry into a better place to work, uh, in part because of inertia, in part because of a shortage of supplies. And really, to me, that's the crux. The industry has to look and re-engineer itself as a place to work so that the wages are there, the working conditions are there, the self-respect can be uh, can, can still be there. And I don't think the industry has awakened to that yet. So you brought up Uber. This is a bit of an aside, Peter. Um, but you brought up you brought up uh, Uber and and things like that. One of my theories behind just generally overall the labor shortage is that is that this gig economy has given people the ability to make their own living, and it actually doesn't necessarily matter whether what kind of career path they have. Um, you know, if you, for instance, if you're a journalist, you can do a Substack, um, and that ability to go and and sort of make your own living doing your own thing uh, really matters to a lot of people. To you know, and then of course, obviously, if you are a driver, if you are um, if you are uh, uh, a low wage, you know, if you're if if you are a restaurant worker, you can go and um, you have the ability to go and. And sort of dictate your own lifestyle to be your own boss and and to to go and make your own living doing your own thing and not having to answer to somebody. I think that's a huge draw for a lot of people, and I think it is tends to be an underrated aspect. Even even though it gets talked about a lot, it's an underrated aspect in in why we're facing a labor shortage at the moment. So I guess I agree with you on that front, roughly. And that, but but you know, and then but it's it. It, it's going to force the industry, and again, to confront these issues that it has to deal with. And you mentioned while like the big companies are 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 doing a lot of these things, a lot of the times when we when we talk about you know companies that do roughly the worst job with its employees, frankly, a lot of them uh, tend to be some franchisees of some of these big companies. You know, in in some respects, are the ones that need to change. Now, a lot of smaller operators, smaller franchisees, smaller uh, restaurant owners definitely need to play catch up on some of these issues. But when, so when a big company such as McDonald's starts offering things like tuition assistance, when Starbucks raises pay to an average of $17 an hour, when Raising Cane's uh, moves its starting wage to $15 an hour, these smaller companies have no choice but to match it. Now that said, I mean, it's a lot more difficult for them to do it. Uh, because they are smaller, they don't have sort of the benefits of scale that uh, these CEOs like to mention all the time. But you know, it you know when these big companies do these, take these steps, and they're being done on a broad scale. You know, Target is uh, has Target and Walmart and Amazon have all been dramatically raising pay um, for for their workers. You know, when when these big companies do this, other smaller companies will have to follow suit, especially in a situation like we got now. Where which is a uh, smaller number of workers and 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 a, and a lack of overall employment. So you know, I still I still am convinced that that this over time is going to be be better just overall for the industry because it's going to deal with a lot of the issues you talk about. It is confronting a lot of operators, and frankly, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, industry wages are up. I mean, we got a lot more benefits uh, are much more commonplace. We've got maternity leave. We got paternity leave, Peter. 
uh, you know, we've got, you know, I mean, honestly, you can, I, I'll, I'll go back to when I worked at McDonald's when I was young and, and, you know, my, my entire, you know, it, that might've changed my thinking had tuition benefits been available at the time, because I certainly needed to, because I had to work my way through college, you know, that would have been definitely beneficial. So, I mean, just the, the industry has really gotten a lot better on a lot of these issues over the course of the past year. I mean, it still has a lot of work to do, but I mean, they've definitely made some real progress today. I, I don't uh, doubt that it's made progress, but it just has miles to go, you know, it, and, and it's pushing against the tide. I mean, not only do you have the rise of the gig economy and that sort of short term uh, worker in charge as boss uh, situation that you get with being an Uber driver, but in on top of that, going back to when you were of uh, a tender age, probably it was the thing to do to, to work. If you weren't going to school, you worked. That's what I did. And, and it was just expected. It was just part of what you did. It was uh, no questions asked. Why not work? And now we see that that's not the case. I think it's the stat that sticks in my mind. I think it's 33 or 38% of teenagers uh, take any kind of job. That's probably down from, you know, 50 or 60%, certainly when I was a kid. So you got that as well. And yes, the industry is making strides, but it has so far to go. And you look at things that are just really uh, blights on the business. For instance, the harassment. And I'm not just talking about sexual harassment, though that's high, but just the the maltreatment of people, the, the sense of, you know, affording people the, the respect you direct to a, a stranger in a shopping mall, a lot of time that's not missing. And it, it's something the industry really has to change. You know, one of the industry's benefits is that you can really climb into management very quickly. The flip side of that is sometimes you get there before you're, you have the soft skills to handle that job. And as a result, you know, people are not treated as they should be. And I'm not sure the industry has awakened to that. I, I, I am not sure. You hear about independent operators who are trying to stress that. And the fact that it's noteworthy that they are really is an indictment of the business because it's saying, you know, this isn't the status quo. This is the change. And we do have an industry that's tremendously fragmented with a lot of small operators who ha don't have the experience um, to to really manage people in terms of uh, not just just to you know, cut people a check, but to really help in their development. Um, so we have a sort of know-how dearth, too. And that's going to be an interesting situation, not to get too wonky. But a lot of the big chains that have money that could help those small operators are somewhat reluctant to do it because they don't want to be branded joint employers because that opens up a whole new can of worms. And uh, and we see that. We see chains saying that they don't go so far because they don't want to take on that label and, and risk themselves to that liability. But, you know, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. The fact that 6.8% of the industry quit in August and that 58% plans to quit before the end of the year, that's saying, look, I don't really want this job. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want it and I can do something else or I can live without it. So that is there. And I think the industry is counting on a return to normal. It just happening. It just evolving. 
And I don't think we're just going to evolve that way. We've got to very aggressively re-engineer what it's like to work in restaurants to make that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I agree with your 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 assessment on on managers. I, you know, uh, you know, the nobody quits a job; they quit a manager. Um, and, uh, that's absolutely true at, at, at restaurants. When you have a, when you really have a bad general manager who doesn't treat their workers well, um, you know, they train other managers on their management style. And so it tends to feed in on itself, but you also tend to get higher turnover. And so focusing on promoting the right people in the management and giving them the training that they need to, to uh, do the job right is going to do uh, a lot of good for your business in the long run. Unfortunately, you know, I, uh, you know, I mean, to that point on joint employer, you could have brands that would for, you know, force the issue with their franchisees, but it is a lot more difficult to do because of, uh, because of joint employer issues. And they, they are, they are really, uh, uh, concerned about that sort of issue and they, they really do tiptoe around it. Uh, so that's definitely, um, that's definitely an issue, but I, I think that, you know, I still believe that, that the industry is addressing this. We do see more about training. We do see more about some of these issues, you know, that they're doing it. And th- the fact of the matter is on the quits levels, I mean, of course people are quitting because they definitely have other options. And, um, and that's actually pretty universal. I guess the other issue here is that labor issues are not remotely limited to the restaurant space. Mm-hmm. They are happening everywhere. In fact, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the supply chain challenges that many restaurants are facing are because they can't find workers, uh, because they, they, their suppliers can't find workers. Um, there's a massive driver shortage, which is absolutely influencing the the, the supply chain issues. Um, there's just only so many people that want to drive for a living and those people have options. And so they go other places. Peter, I was reading a story this morning that apparently prisons um, are having a tough time finding prison guards. So if you're looking for a new career, Peter, that's one for you. But, you know, I mean, I I was reading it and they have a lot of the same issues. Uh, And also the fact of the matter is they work in a prison. Um, (laughs) So it's not just not really limited to the restaurant space. And a lot of people and in and, and, you know, a lot of in 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 many good respect good ways you know employees are really sort of forcing the issue they don't really want to be treated that way and that's you know and every everybody has a right to be treated fairly you know no matter what and you should be going to a place that's not you know where you're not going to be harassed for one reason or another where the company is going to take adequate steps to keep you from from getting hurt on the job things of that nature so and then, you know, and then, uh, of course, pay rates are going up because demand is is higher. And again, I get back to restaurants have been been raising wages by quite a bit. And and the pay overall pay scale in this industry has gone up quite a quite a bit uh, commensurate to, or, you know, far more than than it has in the past. Well, and, and you're right about every uh, it's across the economy. I mean, look at what's happening with the airlines, how many flights mm-hmm. they're canceling. A lot of that is they can't get the people to service the planes and, and work on the planes. Um, but in terms of the industry, you look at where we are versus the economy as a whole. And it's just so much more pronounced. I mean, you, you talk about the great resignation as the this quitting phenomenon has been dubbed. Um 2.9% of the, the total hourly wage workforce resigned in August. 
we had three times that. So whatever those factors are, they're more pronounced and more acute and, and more pointed in, uh, in our business. So, so the industry, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're making strides, but they have so far to go. And what I keep looking for are those chains that are going to make a breakthrough, that are going to find a way to offer something or offer a situation that really resonates with employees. And, and in that respect, sort of changes impressions, changes the light, the work experience, um, addresses some of the non-tangible needs above and beyond safety and, and um, uh, scheduling and, and wages, but looks at, at the dignity of the people. And there are some noble efforts in that regard. I mean, I really salute Starbucks for what they're doing and McDonald's for what they're doing and Yum for what they're doing. But there are so many who are dragging their feet and can't see the need of it. You know, the industry in the past has focused on image. It really did a lousy job of cleaning that up. Uh, it's focused on opportunity in terms of stressing, you know, how you can rise without a college education or without a, 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 a pedigree that you might need in other fields. Um, and that's definitely the case. But times have changed and that delayed gratification, that sense, that benefit is waning. So the, the industry, I think, has to basically start from square one. How are they going to get people to work? What is it that's going to bring people in? What do they need to do? How can they address the negatives? So uh, so that's, that's the crusade, I think, that the, we have to embark on. And I'm not sure that everyone is joining that parade. Well, we will see if uh, you're correct. You're correct, Peter. I still believe that this is a long-term positive and it gets the industry more into the direction of where it needs to go. And that, you know, the, the restaurant companies that come out of this will have a, a better workforce. They will have better sales and they will be more profitable in the long run. Uh, that's what I think. Um, Peter, thank you very much for uh, joining me this week on the podcast. Uh, no problem. And if you need a reference for that uh, prison guard job, just let me know, Jonathan. No, I was going, uh, my application is to the restaurant in San Francisco. Oh, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, that's I've good. given up on my prison guard career. I'm hoping that my career at McDonald's will get me in the door. Yeah. And, and having been incarcerated, it probably doesn't going to work in your favor to get a prison no. guard job. So I, I think that's a good career choice, but a pleasure to be with you as always. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited and produced by Kimberly Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business and the host of A Deeper Dive. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, Restaurant Leadership Conference goes to Arizona this December 6th through 9th. Claim your spot now at restaurantleadership.com. Space is filling up quickly.